years ago, when I was very, 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 very young, <laughs> there was a song that was first released in England <clears throat> and wasn't much of a hit there. And then it was released here in the States. And here's the interesting wrinkle. It met with some pushback, a little bit of, if you will, opposition. Because it was in 1968. And if either you live then or are a student of history, you know that that was indeed a strife-laden year in the United States of America. Racial divisions, the war in Vietnam, raging political assassinations, all kinds of turmoil. And here comes Louis Armstrong singing, I see trees of green. Red roses too, I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. And people said, wait a minute, Satchmo, how can you be talking about a wonderful world when everything around us points to the contrary? How can you have this vision, if you will, that's so bucolic and in the, in the depths of his philosophical musings, Louis Armstrong in essence said, well, the only way that this wonderful world can come into being is if we make sure that we see it into being. So. So maybe that's where we need to begin with an understanding this morning of this audacious vision that, that Isaiah puts in front of us. You know, the Spirit of the Lord has caused us to now have to bring good news to the oppressed and to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. How can we lay claim to a vision like this when everything around us seems to be the opposite? Julie and I lived in Texas for... Now, Julie, there, there may be people watching. Hello, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, El Paso. Yes, it was, it, was the, it was an initial challenge for us, but here's the point. One of the things we came to learn a little bit about was Juneteenth. Juneteenth actually began specifically, and every Texan will let you know this, certainly every Texan of color will let you know that Juneteenth began in Texas, actually near Galveston, and, and, and here's the thing about it. It has become a major celebration. We were, we were sort of in a sense, now it's become again more popular nationally now, but we were taken aback that come June 19th in Dallas, all the folk we knew were ready to take the day off and go drink red soda water and have a picnic. But here's the thing. The power of that celebration was because even though, even though it was late, in being declared to those who were enslaved in Texas and in parts of the South, even though it was late, they determined that they were going to celebrate liberation no matter what. And maybe the lesson in that is this, that even if there are those who try to suppress, who try to divert, who try to deflect 
that liberation that God has shaped and fashioned for you. When it comes, you celebrate it, you acknowledge it, you extol it, and you lift it up no matter how many people try to make it delayed in its arrival. We need to understand that even this morning as we realize here we stand at the intersection, if you will, of Juneteenth and the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising. And the powerful message there to me is that liberation unfolding here is a powerful signal to liberation unfolding any and everywhere. And here's the cautionary note. I understand this. I'm sensitive to the particularities of this. That some people become very sensitive because they don't want their liberation struggle in any way to be diluted. They may think that it's being co-opted when others indeed raise it up as an example. In other words, when, when somebody might say, well, the civil rights movement is a harbinger of the LGBTQ movement for inclusion and equality, believe it or not, some people might want to say, well, no, don't, don't, don't leave my, my struggle alone. But here's the thing we need to understand. The power of a liberation struggle for one individual or one person or one segment of society should be understood as a powerful bell that rings for everyone whose chains and shackles need to be broken. And I believe in my heart of hearts, we were having this discussion um, earlier on, and if there were tapes that mattered of conversations that Dr. King had, not the ones people purport to have been talking about as of late, I do in my heart of hearts believe that Bayard Rustin, probably was able to talk to, well, first of all, we know that Baird Rustin, who, who there was no secret about him being gay, and yet he was fully ensconced and enveloped and, and was one of the, the chief strategists in the movement. And I've got to believe that if we could take that context and bring it into present day, that it would have rested upon the heart of Martin and some of those others who were in the leadership of the movement, that indeed this struggle that we celebrate around us for this month is directly linked to the struggle that was going on in the middle of the 20th century in America and indeed the struggle that was celebrated even as Juneteenth unfolded in Texas in the 19th century. So the power of liberation is too big to just be in one spot and in one column. This Jesus moment in time and in history that we as Christians lay claim to is a moment of liberation for all humanity, all creation. And we can't lay claim to the liberation that we have in Christ until we understand that it is a liberation for everyone. That chains are broken for everyone who is in chains. That walls are torn down for everyone who is confined that cages are flung open for everyone who is made captive. Now, I'm glad that there are people who were marching, who were struggling decades ago, 
who maybe couldn't have even registered in their minds. Maybe for them, uh, 50, 60, 70 years ago, it might have been divide by zero to understand that there would be a pride month, that there would be pride celebrations. But at the same time, I've got to trust that they would understand that their struggle has become this struggle, and this struggle will inform struggles yet to come. Thank God for, the Bible tells us, and, and this is not exclusivist. I think this speaks to the totality of what Christ has done in the world. That if Christ makes you free, you're free indeed. So if liberation is made available, it's made available for everyone. So lay claim and embrace the power of liberation, not just for yourself, but for all of those who indeed call and beckon for freedom. But the prophet goes on. Now it's great. We can have our liberation moment. We can have our Juneteenth celebration. We can have our, our, our red soda water and whatever else, whatever else it was in, in what was it? Red velvet cake, red velvet cake and, and all those other good sophisticated things down there. I'm not beating up on Texas. I like Texas, so it's all good. <laughs> Ooh, I got some explaining to do later on. But, <laughs> but my point is this. The moment and the joy of that liberation moment, the exaltation of that has to be coupled with, what does it say? To do justice. There are verbs attached to the reality of justice in the world. It means we are called to the work of doing justice. It means we're called to the work of making sure that our voices advocate, that our actions promote that we indeed influence and move forth in a way that causes for the world to be just and equitable, to do justice. It's hard. I know it is. I know some of the work that we're called to do sometimes taxes our very energy. I know sometimes we think to ourselves, do I have to get on another bus and go to another demonstration? Do I have to make my way into another place and, and declare, yes, because the work is still called for to be done. I know some of Middle was just down in D.C. This, this past week uh, with our beloved friend William Barber and declaring for the fact that, that poor people call for justice. We need to understand that the work of justice, whether it's for those who are poor, those who are formerly incarcerated, those who are incarcerated, those who are economically disenfranchised, wherever it might be, that's the work that accompanies the vision. So understand this morning that while we celebrate being able to extolling our liberation, we've got to do the work. And middle, you know, you do it so well. You understand how that work has to unfold in so many ways and in so many places and how our voices need to be persistent and consistent in so many platforms. But nevertheless, it is work. And sometimes as we do that work of justice, our spirits flag and we get weighed down and a little bit maybe overcome and overwhelmed by what seems to be the onslaught of what's happening to suppress that justice. I was just reading this morning in the New York Times, Maureen Dowd, uh, her, her editorial column, and she talks about the fact that, you know, it's, it's a normal thing to critique a leader or an administration for lapses in moral judgment or consistency. It's not so normal for there to be no moral consistency. 
no moral judgment and how we just cringe day after day. You know, Julie and I have an exercise, and this is the absolute truth. She can attest to this. I have become adept with the remote control in my hand that every time a certain voice is ready to be heard, I'm mute. And I don't do that. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it does trigger. I'm not, and I'm not saying that lightly. But I realize, you know, at some point, you know, I just don't want that incoming to, 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 to outweigh what I need to have in me to be sustained and to overcome. So, that brings me to this point. Instead of letting all that negativity taint and, 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 and tinge and, and dilute and pollute my being, I realized then, and, and this is what, again, what, what Isaiah is saying in this declaration, that we've got to make space for joy. We have to understand, yes, this work is hard and this work is difficult, but we also have to understand that the way we're sustained in this work is to be able to, able to have a joy that, yes, often confounds those who would oppress us. What are you doing over there singing and being so happy? How is it that you can have a moment of exultation when I'm trying my best to cut you down? And don't you know there's, a, there's an old saying that I remember from way back in my youth days, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. You can't define for me the measure of joy that I have by the way you try to curtail it because joy in me is authored by a God who is the author of joy, whose faithfulness is unwavering, and whose presence is certain and sure in my life. And it's important for us to realize, especially when the work is difficult, especially when the work sometimes overwhelms us, that we have a right to be joyful in this measure. And in this moment, we have a right indeed to give God the praise that God is due. We have a right to exalt God's presence in our lives and in the world because, yes, as Charles Albert Tindley said, wickedness a while may reign. and Satan's power, yes, may seem to gain, but there is a God who rules above with a hand of power and a heart of love, I'm here to tell you that your joy can outlast any turpitude, any kind of chicanery, any kind of ugliness that seems to surround us right now. So become experts in declaring the joy that God has given us. Become expert in being a community. Indeed, think about it. Jesus says this. He says, this is my suggestion. No, wait a minute. This is my advice, no, this is my commandment that you love one another that your joy may be full. You see the formula there, middle? That we are indeed able, if we are what we call ourselves to be, that community of love where love is love is love is love, if we ex extol that and exercise that and exchange that amongst ourselves, the outgrowth of that ought to be what is promised to us, and that is a joy that declares our presence and our persistence in the world. Don't you understand that some of those who came before us endured and made it through, not because they were naive, not because they were unrealistic about the circumstances around them, but because they knew how to take a moment in the midst of what otherwise seemed to be overwhelming circumstances and give unto God the joy and the praise that God is worthy of receiving. You ought to become expert at declaring your joy because that's what will sustain you. 
That's what will carry us through. So indeed, extol that liberation moment. Do the work of justice. And yes, 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 be wrapped up in the gift of joy. And then the vision shall become true. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, the bright blessed day, dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people passing by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies crying. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world.